0: What type of baseball do we need to fight that? Because I don't think it's something that we can just lay down and say, okay, where we don't have autonomy over our bodies. It's fine. It's not fine. That was Janice Fountain from the Yellowhammer Fund. You heard her in the piece, Abortion Access and Reproductive Justice in a Post-Roe Landscape, produced by The Response and hosted by Tom Llewellyn. And that does it for today's show. If you'd like more information, visit us at radioproject.org or find us on Twitter or Instagram. And if you have thoughts about today's episode, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Lucy Kang. Thanks for tuning in to Making Contact. This is Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, and this is KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kbu.fm. Due to the temporary closure of in-station activity at Kebu, meetings will be conducted online via public video conferencing, unless otherwise noted. A public link and phone number to attend the meetings are available on our website. The Finance Committee meets on the third Thursday of the month at 5.30 p.m. Please visit our website at Here at, at CABU, CABU.
1: we FM. honor the indigenous people whose traditional and ancestral homelands we stand on. The Molnoma, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Tomwater, Watlala Bands of the Chinook, the Tualatin Kalapuya, and many other indigenous tribes and nations of the region of the Willamette River and that great river known as Chuaneku, Wimal, Nishaiwana, and Columbia. Many names for the living water force that has sustained this region for countless generations and provided phenomenal life to our blessed ecosystems. We believe it is important to acknowledge the ancestors of this land and to recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them. In remembering these communities, we honor their legacy, their lives, and their descendants with the forming of relationships to each other and the living world. This
2: is Cesar Chavez. You're listening to KBOO, listener-sponsored radio. Good evening, and welcome to Labor Radio of the working class, by the working class, for the working class. I'm your host, Stephen Siegel, here with co-host Rachel Haynes. Hey, Rachel.
3: Hi, Stephen.
2: We are broadcasting around the world from Portland, Oregon. Both of us are public school teachers, and we host every second Monday of the month where we typically interview educators and talk about what's going on in their schools and in their unions. And joining us today in the Zoom, we have Maddie Kozlov. Did I pronounce your last name correct, Maddie? Perfect, yeah. And we have Michaela Oviat Greenstein. Yep, yep did i get it no. yeah okay good well welcome to both of you um thank you so we always like to start just by getting to know our guests a little bit in their background so can you both start out and tell us a little bit about um well where you're teaching and what you're teaching just ba- some basics there
0: uh, sure. So I'm Meta Kozlov. I am a school counselor in Newburgh School District, which means that I focus on the social, emotional, academic, um, and like career side of education. So I don't actually have a class. However, I do serve 100% of the student body, as well as focusing on supporting the students in need.
4: Um, Michaela Greenstein, I am a special education teacher at the high school. I have been in the district for six years. Um, and I actually was born and raised in Newburgh. So I walked those same Newburgh high school halls once and now um, get the pleasure of teaching back at the high school that I went to.
2: Great. And can you both tell us about what inspired you to become teachers and what do you enjoy now about teaching? Ooh,
0: I feel like that's a long, long answer. I'll try to make it as short as I can. Um, my dad's whole family, for the most part, is teachers. Um, his mother was a lawyer, that's the one exception, and of course my father is a black sheep working in finance. Um, however, the rest of them are teachers, so teaching has always been um, kind of a topic of conversation in my family. Um, and when I finished college and was trying to figure out what to do, it took a while, um, but I really spent time talking to a lot of my teacher friends because that's where it felt really natural. Um, And actually I was having a conversation with my friend Clarice, and I said like, really the most important thing for me is to be there for the kids. Like I remember those teachers, you know, I can name them off now, like Mr. Hollander and Ms. Kale, um, like Mr. uh, Sachs, like those are the teachers that I remember very vividly being there for me in high school. And those are the people that I wanted to, I wanted to do the same thing for my kids. So she actually said, you don't want to be a teacher, you want to be a school counselor and then i was looking into it and it really seemed like a great kind of a great match and so i pushed forward from there and been at newburg for about 7 years now
4: um i started my 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 route to teaching was um a little bit different i my brother experiences hearing loss and From the time he was four years old, um, he had different appointments at OHSU and had undergone like eight different surgeries and back and forth and back and forth um, with our family. And he's actually what inspired me and got me into teaching. Um, He had some pretty amazing special education teachers slash speech pathologists. Um, And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, they made such a positive impact in his life and seeing what he went through and how resilient he was and positive and still is today I was like I want to do that um and so I actually got my bachelor's degree in speech pathology and audiology and while doing my clinical hours I was in an LRC classroom at a high school and I was like okay no this is what I want to do um and so my students still inspire me every single day. And I love being there. They teach me so much. And so that's how and why I keep doing what I'm doing.
2: Great. And then what about your union roles or positions? Do you have union roles or positions?
0: Hmm. Um, The easy answer is I don't. I got approached by the NEA as someone who is known and respected, which I interpreted that to mean loud and opinionated. Uh, we lost your audio for a minute there, Maddie. Oh, sorry, um, I said, I really don't have a role um, with the NEA. I was approached by them as someone who's quote, known and respected, which in my case, I meant I took to mean uh, loud, opinionated, and driven, which I'll take, so.
4: Um, and I am a building union rep. I have been a building um, union rep for this is my third year um, being a building building union rep. So that's kind of where I fit in um, to the union. Great.
3: Well, we wanted to have you on our show to talk about what's been going on in Newburgh. So let's assume some of our audience might not be following what's been happening recently can you lay out what has happened starting from the beginning and when you first realized there was
0: a problem um sure um starting at the end of last year science um first of all i should tell you that there was an election going on for the school board members so signs started appearing from save our schools which was a PAC um sponsoring different candidates and that's when this all really started. Um, There was a lot of tension in the community. The people who ran Save Our Schools, we still don't really know who they are. They haven't responded. And of course, when we asked Save Our Schools from what, no one has given us an answer. Um, So we um, continued forward, the election happened. Um, We ended up having a 4-3 conservative majority, which was a switch from our 4-3 progressive majority. Um, and then when they were sworn in in early July i want to say the 13th that's when things really started to be felt um that was when they started pushing for a motion and this was uh, director shannon for banning what he called political symbols so pride flags um, and black lives matter flags uh, in all school facilities um it was kind of uh i mean it was a it was very much like whiplash Um, so far like I feel like the board beforehand had tried to listen to the community a lot and this one was really a motion right out of the gate Um, and they said of course you know because they had won because there was a new conservative majority clearly there was a new I don't want to use mandate but that's how it felt like a mandate to get things done Um, so that started to be pushed through and without any true community um, response so there wasn't time to hear from the community about this. It was very quick, um, and even though it took a while to be passed, having just finally gone through a few revisions and then passed in this last meeting last month, um, it's been hard still. Um, I can tell you that all of the school counselors, all of the school psychs, um, have written, um, as well as a few other community members, there have written letters about our professional concerns with this. Um, I've Personally, spoken at board meetings um, specifically about the process and lack of community response and involvement in it. Um, and now, of course, it's passed and it's been moved from the board to the superintendent and the attorneys to figure out how, if at all, this is really enforceable or if it's really pushing against teachers' uh, First Amendment rights.
3: Um, do you have anything that you wanted
4: to add to that Michaela? I think Maddie covered it well. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
3: So what do you think these conservative board members are really trying to accomplish? Who are they? And you you talked about that um, group saving the schools and from what we don't know but um, can you kind of talk about the the larger context? Like is there involvement and in people, community members beyond those few board members?
0: Um, there is some, like clearly there is an aspect of the community which is pleased with what's going on. Um, the four conservative majority are um, directors Brown, Shannon, Powell, and I believe it's DeHart. I never remember his last name. I can tell you first names, but. <laughs> Um, and there has been some community like support for it. Um, there have been um, certain community members who have spoken often at the board meetings. Um, however, it's been really clear um, by some of the journalism that's been happening and the information that's been released in the district that we are not hearing the whole story. Um, Director Brown and Shannon have claimed that while well, we're hearing both sides equally, um, but that's that's kind of, we can talk about what equal really means. Like, does that really mean 50%, like you're hearing one opinion and then the next opinion? Or are you accurately reflecting what's going on in the district? So right now we know that yes, there is a portion of the community which does agree with this ban. But we also know that based on the number of emails, based on the number who have signed up to speak, that that is actually a smaller portion of the community. And so they're not being equally represented according to what the community actually looks like. So, and I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but if it were 70-30, not 50-50, like we are being led to believe in the board meetings, that feels very different.
3: I'm, I'm also just as, oh, were you gonna say, answer that too, Michaela?
4: Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I think from NEA perspective, it's not about like conservative board members. Um, It's about these four board members trying to bring their own politics into the classroom. And that's why we have felt like as an education association, it's so important to protect um, freedom of speech in the classroom.
3: Yeah, I was just gonna ask as sort of a follow-up, like how how do they determine what constitutes political symbols or political, um, you know, what, what are they considering political? Is it defined by a specific number of things with actual names like pride flag, Black Lives Matter, or is there a more general rule that can be applied to things like the American flag or other political
0: symbols? Yeah, that's where it gets really complicated. While this started out as just kind of targeted against Pride and Black Lives Matter flags, which evolved into all Black Lives Matter and Pride Paraphernalia, it's now gone into what they call political, semi-political and anything controversial, which is incredibly broad and very concerning. Um, I know that I've had conversations in my building with, well, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean, like, I have a sign on my room that says the witch is in, I put it up for Halloween every year, are kids going to be like, well, I'm Christian and witchcraft is insulting to me, I'm going to get complaint lodged against me and then I'm going to have to go and figure out what to do with this? I mean, it, it's very broad and very concerning.
3: Um, so have there been threats made against educators, um, have educators been specifically targeted?
4: Uh, there has been threats, um, made against educators, um, and I'd say that these are the same, the people who are making the threats are the same people who are trying to push their political beliefs into the classroom.
0: Yeah, you've seen a few of them just recently from the- teacher who earlier interviewed, um, all the way up to, there's been a lot of talk on social media, specifically targeting some teachers as well.
3: Wow. So how has the Newburgh community responded? You said that you you think that there's a much larger portion that is against this ban, Um, but what kinds of uh,
4: response have you encountered? Um, I live in the community and I think that it has been amazing to go on my weekend runs and run down our downtown and you see flags, you see banners, you see positive chalk art, you see all of these beautiful, uplifting um, drawings and messages from the community. Um, and that has just been inspiring Um as an educator, as a community member, as someone who's going to be raising her own family in this district, I have loved to see the community get involved um, and just rally around, you know, our students and doing what's right for them.
0: Yeah, they've been um, really great. A lot of them have contributed, um, not just like beautifying our, you know, and really showing their support, but also um, quite a few have spoken before the board Many more have written letters. Um, we also have like things happening, like that giant painting of the equity pride flag that can be seen from the high school happening. People have donated time and money, showing up for rallies, making pins, making signs, you know, finding safe spaces, joining canvassing efforts. The community has really turned out in um, you know in opposition of this ban.
2: Great. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to KBOO Portland. This is Labor Radio. And I also need to mention that we are in the middle of our fall membership drive. KBOO doesn't take corporate money for advertising. We rely on you, our listeners, for sustaining us financially. And you can go to kboo.fm slash give to donate. So, Can you talk a little bit more about the resistance? You've mentioned some things like signs and and rallies and things. Um, Tell us about how educators and students in the community have been fighting back.
4: So every Friday, um, we have educators, students, community members showing up um, at the flagpoles for flagpole um, Fridays, um, along with taking legal legal measures um, to organize our educators. Um, and we're doing this on our own time because it's really that important to us um, to take those measures to make sure that we have you know safe inclusive spaces for all of our students.
0: Um, The students have been really inspiring. Um, They've started um, having interviews with local and kind of like Oregon uh, uh, politics uh, reporters and there's even been a segment that was put out recently. Um, clearly, the students are feeling empowered to do something about it, and as an educator, that is incredibly rewarding to see.
2: Great, yes, and and talk specifically about your union. Uh, it feels a little funny to call to call you NEA, but I know that is the short for Newberg. <laughs> Um, but talk about, uh, Newberg EA and also, uh, OEA in terms of involvement.
4: Yeah, um, we've gotten a lot of great support from OEA, um, and NEA has gotten, um, a ton of community support as well, which has been amazing. Um, so our Newburgh Education Association has filed a tort claim, which is a procedural step. Um, required to ensure that we hold the district accountable for their actions, um, so that I I know that our um, education association is going to use all of our tools and collective to make sure and protect the rights of students and um, educators in our district.
0: The um, OEA has done a really great job stepping in with a lot of support, just to, because where we haven't been sure how to do this. I mean, there's one thing to talk about it theoretically, and then there's the practical application of doing a lot of this. So they, um, while we have been a lot of boots on the ground, they are a lot of the infrastructure for figuring out and supporting us, which has been amazing. Um, Between legal advice, between like, hey, here's how we go and do this to make sure that it's above board, um, as well as just don't do this. (laughs) Those have all been really helpful, necessary things to know.
2: Great. And then, any other support, um, the ACLU, other groups or, or people, where, where else are you hearing from as far as getting support?
4: Maddie, did you want to take this one, or do you want me to? Or,
0: sure. I think I know some more, but yeah, so the ACLU we've been involved in, there's um, obviously we've been working with the OEA. Um, There's the classified union whose acronym I always butcher because I can't remember it. Um, So, And then we've also been working with Basic Rights Oregon. Um, We have, there's the Recall Brian Shannon campaign, Recall Lindsey Bershaw campaign. So there's been a lot of community organizations as well as national ones um, stepping in and really helping support this issue.
3: Well, I would like to know um, how this has been for you personally. So what has been the difficult, uh, most difficult part of this time for you?
0: Do you
4: over here? Sure, I, I know for me personally, it's been really hard to see my students struggling and hurting um, my fellow educators who are my friends and community members, I mean, Like I said, I I grew up here, this is my hometown, this is where I'm choosing to raise my own family and seeing all of those different people hurting, that has been incredibly hard. Um, Seeing students not feel safe at school has been really, really hard.
0: Um, Yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. Um, Watching students feel uncomfortable um, has been really hard. And that's hard no matter what. Um, My kiddos are a little bit younger. um, So I'm not seeing, they're not as vocal as the high school students. However, what I am seeing um, really as a counselor, my job is not just supporting students and families, but also the staff. And I have seen more staff come in more burnt out and everyone saying, wow, it feels like May um, compared to what we're usually like. And yes, pandemic and yes, back to school and things are stressful. And we knew that. Uh, but this adds a completely different, more complex layer. Um when people are coming in being like, "I don't know if I should be teaching this unit or if it's okay for me to say these things uh, in classes to kids because they're worried about having parents call and yell at them. I know teachers have gotten incredibly rude emails. um and then the kids, there are some kids also fighting back in classes that are clearly, you know, having their, have their parents' opinion. And so classes can be very combative as well. Um, for me, the hardest part is um, I have an 11 year old um, stepchild and they are non-binary. And so to have to come home and talk about this with them and have them like try to, try to explain this in ways that they feel okay with um, and watch them be very upset in the process has been really hard.
3: Yes, I can. I can imagine. Um, so, what have you learned, um, or how have you grown from this experience?
4: <laughs> Big one. Yeah. I. I mean, I've learned a lot. Um, that's one of the reasons why I love my job is because my students teach me so much and I really do learn from them. Um, But I've seen a lot of people in the community, um, fellow educators, students, community members, take their anger and frustration and put it into action, which I think has been incredible. Um, Knowing that things aren't right and being able to all work together and seeing that happen, um, that has just been something that has been pretty awesome um, to see. And to to learn from all of these other incredible humans that are working towards making this place inclusive um, and safe for everyone.
0: Yeah, um, echoing all of that, I've also learned like the importance of local elections a lot more. Um, beforehand, I really would have focused on you know Senate races, um, definitely presidential, but like the school board or mayor were not really things that were on my radar until now i'm pleased to say i have switched that opinion and i am very much paying attention to this stuff and you know before i might have like read maybe one or two things or done a little bit of research and now i'm like oh okay i actually need to be involved here at this local level um you know this is where we can really make a difference you know especially when you know one in millions of votes feels very different versus one in thousands of votes so yeah i think we're
3: seeing evidence of that all over the country there's a concerted effort for um conservative people with these extreme ideas getting elected to school boards and really making it difficult for teachers to do their jobs Um, so what what's next for you all Um, what are you and others working on do you have any last words or requests for our listeners in order for people to support you in Newburgh?
0: Well, there are a variety of things kind of happening. Um, There's, um, I mean, so don't boycott Newburgh, come and support the businesses where you are seeing the flags. Like there are so many of them and I would be remiss to try to call out some over, over others, but there are so many that have, you know, those symbols of support up. Um, including our lovely wine industry out there. Um, So I would really encourage you to come out there. Um, The thing that I would ask for, um, if I can be selfish, is remember that your teachers are people too. Like We are already um, under a lot of stress um, being back in the classroom for the first time in about 18 months. Uh, So add up all the health concerns, and trying to balance, you know, state testing requirements and standards to teach and, you know, so-and-so's coming to school dirty or hungry or tired or all of that combined with the added stress um, from this ban has been really hard. So be kind to your teachers. Um, yeah.
3: Ditto. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, uh, I guess the other thing I would point out and this is one of the good things is uh we uh, there was that game at football game at Sherwood who had done this fantastic rainbow out in conjunction with Newberg in support of things which was amazing. So one of the things that I think it's really hard for a lot of people to separate is that the kids like are really going to suffer throughout this no matter what's going on. Um, it's really easy for them to feel um, and be targeted, um, and they of course have nothing to do with how the board decides. So making sure that this really you know, the attention really stays where it needs to be and the energy really stays where it needs to be would be phenomenally helpful for all of us, I think.
2: And if we wanted to turn out for that, that flagpole Friday, what time does that start?
4: 5 p.m. on Fridays.
2: 5 p.m. on Fridays. And 5 p.m. That... on
4: Fridays. And it is the big flagpole um, by downtown Newburgh across the street from Hook. Yeah. Park.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. as I tell people, you literally just take 99 all the way down, and then the one that like hits right in the middle of 99, we're right there.
2: <laughs> gotcha. And are those going on indefinitely until this uh, is resolved?
0: They are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's. But they've already been going on two months now. Mm-hmm.
3: And that's a, just gathering of community members
4: with signs and things like that. Okay, great. Yep, community mm-hmm. members, educators, students. Mm-hmm
0: if you want to be more involved or specifically involved with this, I would urge people to check out the Recall Brian Shannon campaign. Um, they're always looking for donations, um, people to help canvas, um, or any other thing they have there. I think they're also linked with the Recall learn Zee shower and I always butcher her last name, who actually was, um, who was supportive of the Save Our Schools PAC and endorsed the four conservative board members. Um, so those are two very, Uh, easy ways to give time and money.
3: Excellent. Well, I want to thank you both so much for joining us. And I know this has been a really, um, like you said, deeply stressful and challenging year. And to have this on top of it is really, it feels like too much, I'm sure. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Mm
0: Thank you guys for having us.
3: Yeah, and -hmm. thanks to Jamie Partridge for helping us convert this to a radio-ready file. Thank you, audience, for tuning in tonight. Thank you, Stephen. This is Rachel Haynes. You've been listening to Labor Radio. Tune in next Monday and every Monday at 6 p.m. to catch another Labor Radio show.
1: You are listening to KBOO, 90.7 FM in Portland. Prison Pipeline presents a unique perspective of the criminal justice system, addressing the root causes of crime and broadening understanding
0: of the institution of incarceration.
2: Baby, you understand
3: me now.